Welcome, friends, to our second season of the Reynolds Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Reynolds, and this podcast is meant to encourage and bless you as you seek to live an authentic life in Christ Jesus. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button to get updates on original content each week. And also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and online at rayreynoldsrap.com. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Today, as we talk about the joy of encouragement, I can't help but think about some words that are penned by the Hebrew writer in chapter 10, and it begins at verse 19. I'm going to read to you from the New King James Version. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, though through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over a house of God, let us draw near, this is important, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, when I read these verses, I think about someone who, if it wasn't the Apostle Paul, whoever the writer was, was somebody acquainted with Paul and the congregations he wrote to. And this writer wanted to make sure that the church family understood the importance of being together, the importance of being in fellowship, the importance of building one another up. And that's what we want to talk about in our time together, building one another up and encouraging one another as we should in Christ. There's a statement made by Jesus in John chapter 15 and verse 11 where he says, and I'll reference this a lot over the next uh, few lessons, Uh, he says, I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. And he says that your joy may be full. It is God's intention. It was Jesus's purpose in coming to this world to give us a full cup of joy. Um, Had a very good friend uh, at Meridian Church of Christ who um, encouraged me a lot, Ralph. He was um, a great brother. And I did a lesson there about joy, and I brought a cup of actually purchased cups and wrote on a sticker on the side, joy, and gave one to every member. Um, The way we did it there, we had Sunday morning, and then uh, we break for lunch and come back at about 5 o'clock for the evening service. And I'm telling you, we we had people come back on Sunday night as we studied through a lot of the things that I'm going to share with you over the next few weeks about being able to have real joy and encouragement. And uh, I told them that Sunday morning when I introduced this concept that they needed to take that cup of joy and they needed to get filled up on Sunday when they're together and encouraging one another and stirring up that pot, as it says in Hebrews chapter 10. And there's a lot of people with spoons in their hand, but they're not stirring the pot in the right direction, okay? We need to stir the pot in the right direction. And as we stir the pot of fellowship and encouragement, we build one another up and our cup runs over. And as our cup runs over, our goal is not to just let it spill all over us, but our cup is to pour out It's given to us to pour out into the lives of others where their cup may be empty or maybe a third full where they are to just encourage them, to build them up. And sometimes people come to worship on Sunday with their cup completely empty. They're zapped of energy. They're zapped because of anxiety and frustration, job problems and marriage problems and kid problems and all kinds of problems. And so they get overwhelmed. And when they come to church on Sunday, they want to be encouraged. They want to be built up. They want to have their cup full. And so we hope and we pray that as they focus their energy on worship, uh, as they do that in spirit and in truth, as we're commanded to, uh, they're also in the Gospel of John chapter 4, 
we need to be the type of people that, that encourage one another and build one another up, even if they're sitting there and they're not singing and they're not giving and they're not sharing and they refuse communion. Our goal is to somehow, when they leave there, try to get that cup full. And I think we can do that with all the aspects of worship. That's why God has strategically planned worship the way he has. And we'll talk about the joy of worship in another time together. But this encouragement is an opportunity to, to build people. I think we need to look around the room on Sunday. And I'm not saying look around in a judgmental way. But I'm saying let's look around the room and let's see people for who they are. And they're people who are, are broken, people that are hurting, people that are grieving, people that are sick spiritually and physically. And we need to reach out. Uh, there's plenty of ways we can do that. And we've talked about that in previous times together. We can write them a card. We can send them, a, a, you know, send them something in the mail. We can call them. We can text them. We can email them. I mean, there's a thousand ways to communicate today. Uh, it doesn't matter if you do it by carrier pigeon, okay? Encourage people. Encourage people. And when this uh, quarantine and the, these COVID issues are over, we need to get back to visiting and spending time together in our homes. We're starving for that. Look for people around you that are suffering from conflict. Look around you uh, at people that are on your prayer list, as an example. When people say, hey, pray for so-and-so, you pray for that individual, but you also ask that person, hey, you're bringing this person, person forward needs prayer. What's your relationship to them? Because sometimes when people say, hey, pray for so-and-so, it's because they're struggling themselves praying for that individual. Or maybe they're related to that individual, and they need prayer too. Uh, when we have people that are shut in and sick or on hospice, I always think about the caretakers that need to be prayed for and encouraged. So just look around and do that. Look through your assembly. Um, think about your relationships. Think about your friendships. Uh, think about those that aren't ready for Jesus' second coming, that are in sin. Reach out to people. Um, when you're at work, look at the workers around you. When you're at school, look at the other students. Look at the teachers. Uh, you never know how one kind word could really change someone. I see that especially with our younger members. Uh, I see how when they lead on the table or they read a scripture or they sing a song, some of our older people will go up to them and say, man, you did a great job. And that just you see them beaming. Find a way to encourage people like that. So how do we give encouragement? I want to give you about seven ways that I think we can encourage one another. First of all, and this is, this is something that really, I don't know that it can be taught, but it's got to be known that we need to care for people. Number one, care for people. We forget that the church is the people and not the building. We need to remember uh, whatever comes, whatever hurricanes come in our life, spiritually and physically, we know we can overcome it by the power of God. And it humbles God's people to come before his presence. It humbles us when we come before him in worship. And we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to bow down. We're supposed to uh, uh, humbly come into the presence of the Lord. And we pray and we offer our sacrifice of praise. And we, we should render honor and obedience to our Lord. And, and if we're going to do that, if we love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we've really got the first, first part down. And anyone who is in a good, strong relationship with the Lord is also going to have characteristics of him because they are his children. He's our heavenly father. And we look at like first John and we see, you know, it's impossible for you to say you're a child of God and hate your brother. And that hits, that hits home. We've got to care for people. Compassion is necessary. John says uh, in chapter 15 and verse 12, this is my commandment that I, I command you to love one another as I've loved you. Love people like Jesus loved us. That's a, that is that's the, the crux of all of this. If we're going to encourage people, we got to love people. Um, 
Romans 15, or pardon me, Romans 12 and verse 10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another. You're preferred. So, well, there's no favoritism in the church. I, I get that. I understand favoritism and cliques can be dangerous. But let me tell you something from reading Paul right here. And if I'm listening to the words of Peter and other writers of the New Testament, uh, even James, James talks about favoritism too, but in a, in a completely different light. But we're supposed to have preference to one another. We look after our brothers and sisters in Christ first. So therefore, if you love the Lord, you got with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you will love your neighbor as yourself. We've got to have compassion for people. Number two, we've got to circumvent the obstacles that we're facing. Uh, there are three major obstacles I think we face and when it comes to encouragement. One and number one is fear. I think we're afraid to talk to people. I think we're afraid to share. I think we're afraid to listen. Because if we hear something we don't agree with, we're going to be judgmental, and we know that. And so we just kind of pull back and, and don't get close to people. And it's easy for us to do that when we get into a church family. You know, we don't want to get too active. Uh, I've had people say, well, I just don't want to commit just yet. Hey, look, if you're committed to the Lord, then you're a part of his church already. You're part of his family. And if you're a part of my family, there are responsibilities you know, that, that, that have to be met. There are, there are relationships that need to be built. Within the church family, we have to have an attitude of service. And so uh, we need to talk to each other, communicate with one another, work together. And we've got to get past that fear. Uh, fear is not a, by the way, fear is not a God-given emotion. It's not. God has not given you the spirit of fear. God has given us the spirit of self-control. He's given us the spirit of love. And so fear should not come into effect. It should be pushed out. That's a work of the devil. Got to communicate. So we want to encourage people, have compassion for people, circumvent the obstacles, get rid of your fear. Number two in that same thought of getting rid of obstacles is emotion. You got to let your emotion go. Now I know that we're living in a different society today and I may step on a few toes and I apologize about that. I really do. But we're getting to a culture, even within the church, that we're doing everything based on emotion. Some churches do that. And that is a dangerous road. because, And we need charisma. I'm, I'm teaching a series on joy. We need passion. We need joy. We need excitement. We need enthusiasm. But we have to be careful with emotion. It has to stay in check. Fear is another part of that emotional level. And so we need to make sure that we're grounded not in emotion and not just in spirit, but also in truth. Are we practicing things the way Jesus did it? Are we doing the things as was commanded in the New Testament church and by the scriptures that we hold? We have to be really careful not to let emotion overwhelm us. And emotions will rule conversations. Emotions will rule the day. Um, we get caught up when we talk to people. And we, uh, you know, we, we forget why we're there. We forget that we're supposed to be building relationships. We may be gossiping. We may be you know, talking about the preacher or the elders or somebody in church or our family or whatever. You have to be careful. I've seen a lot of men ruin their relationships with their friends because they down their wives and vice versa. Wives downing their husband in public. And there are families that they have a perfectly fine home life. They don't struggle with those kinds of things. And they kind of get caught up in that and say, you know, I know I know a really great guy in Christ that he can't open his mouth without telling potty, potty stories and potty words. And it's very hard to be around somebody like that. You have to keep that in check. Leave your emotions in check. Uh, you do need compassion, and you do need, do need joy, and you do need enthusiasm, but don't let your emotion rule a conversation. When you're encouraging people, meet them where they are. Talk about what they've done. Talk about how they've made an impact on people. Um, early on in my ministry, I had a, a gentleman, a uh, professor, 
that asked me to contact all of my mentors before I wrote my dissertation or my, my thesis. And it's because I was going to give them credit in my thesis. And uh, I had to reach out to these individuals. One of them was the man who baptized me. And uh, I reached out to John Henley and I told him how much he meant to me and that I loved him. And uh, I hadn't talked to him in probably a decade or more. And uh, we then slowly, we became Facebook friends and uh, he's been going through a real struggle this year and I've been praying for him. Uh, and, and you know, you need to keep those relationships. Uh, you need to build those relationships. You need to talk to people, to praise people. So let go of fear, that's an obstacle. Let go of emotion. And I think another one, Another big one is our motive. What is your goal? Is your goal to encourage? Is your goal to build them up? Or is your goal to look good in their presence? And I think some people confuse that. They want to they wanna have an act of kindness because they get credit for it. They look good for it. And uh, I have this conversation with my kids every year. I think our, our teenagers and uh, the preteens have a grasp on this. Because when we do Good Samaritan for Lads to Leaders... Our kids understand that it's not about points, that it's not about getting a medal at the end of the year. It's about finally getting out and doing what we've been teaching and, and being the hands and the feet of Christ. And so what's your motive when you're encouraging people? Are you encouraging them to build yourself up, to make yourself look good? You know, that, that's, that's the second thing. So eliminate those obstacles. Number three, if uh, we're going to use, we're going to have encouragement we're going to have joy in our encouragement. Number three is we got to be cautious with our words. So being cautious with my words means that I have to be careful that I say the right things at the right time. Now, I want you to hear me very carefully. And you've heard me preach enough. You, you know I say this quite often. It is, there can be a time when it is the wrong time to say the right thing. Now, let, me, let me say it again. Sometimes it's the wrong time to say the right thing. We need to choose our words carefully, and we need to choose the time carefully. Let me also say, when it comes to someone who is in sin, they need to be spoken to. They need to be taught. And in some cases, they need to be rebuked, which is a, that's a tough one. But it has to come at the right time. I've seen too many arguments that play out in, in worship or, or Bible class or in the hallways or in between the pews. I've seen brothers jump pews to get at somebody um, because they were so hot about an argument that had been in class or something that happened a week before that they hadn't dealt with. Be careful you use your words you know, with caution and use the timing carefully as well. Good words can make an anxious heart glad, Proverbs 12, 25. Another one's Proverbs 15.4, a soothing tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 16.24, pleasant words are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So cautiously use your word. Remember what James says about the power of the tongue. It's like a fire. It's like the rudder of a ship. Uh, it's, it's, it's dangerous when it's let loose. So pray before you speak. Think before you speak. Use scripture when you speak. Uh, I'm, just as a, a word of advice, I've had people say, well, how do you deal with a difficult situation? Let's say you know someone that's struggling in sin or somebody's done something that is in, not in accordance with the word of God. Uh, do they need to be approached? Absolutely. Matthew 18 says, if you have a problem with your brother, I, I think that it also would imply if you know a brother that's in a sin, because we're supposed to snatch him from the fire. The Bible tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. That doesn't mean covered up. That means to be able to help them cover it up. That means to be covered by the blood of Jesus, to be forgiven. And that takes repentance and confession. 
Don't forget that. So we use our words, our timing very carefully. And we sit down with them and we let the word of God speak. If they are a faithful Christian, uh, even if they've been a faithful Christian in the past, one, uh, one way I've seen older men do this probably better than me is I, I, it humbles me when an older person will call me and say, um, I wonder what your grandfather or your grandmother would think of this or your father or your mother would think of this. They were faithful children of God. I wonder what they would think in this situation with the problems that you've got your help, your, your, you know, self into. The other thing is tell them I'm here to help you. I'm not here to, not here to yell at you. I'm not here to discourage you. I just want you to know that I'm concerned. And if you want a lifeline, hey, I'll, I'll not only throw it to you, but I'll help swim you to shore to the safety that is just right before you and forgiveness that is available. Um, be very careful to choose your words and your timing wisely. Number four, complete openness. <laughs> I believe that if we want to be encouraging, we've got to be open and we've got to be honest. And sometimes that means being raw. That means just becoming more and more uh, in a relationship with one another that we feel like we can share. If some random person from church knocks on my door or sends me a letter and tells me they don't like something that I did, I may be hurt by it, but I'll, I'll just dismiss it because I don't know that person. They're just having a bad day. But if somebody I love or somebody that I respect comes to me and says, hey, I want to talk to you about thus and so, uh, it makes a different impact because I have a relationship with that person. So if you're going to help someone and encourage them, build a relationship with them first. Send cards often, call them often, text them often. I think we can fall into a trap in the church about trying to make sure we get all the elements right. You know, we've got all the acts of worship just executed perfectly uh, down to a science. We know exactly what the New Testament church did, where it's very clear how they did their patterns. Uh, and so we, we, we get into that and we forget if we're going to be like the New Testament church, what drew them to the building were not the acts of worship. What drew them to, their, to the building was their relationship with God and their relationship with their brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what drew them to that place. They didn't risk their life to take communion. They didn't risk their lives to um, sit down and, and give an offering. They didn't risk their lives to sing a few songs. They didn't risk their lives to go visit the preacher one last time. They risked their lives every time they assembled in many places because they had a relationship with God and they had a relationship with their brothers and sisters. So we've got to have that, that openness together, teaching the truth in love, building one another up. Number five, you got to commit to the cause. And the cause is the cause of Christ. The Great Commission was powerful. The apostles didn't take the gospel to the whole world just because Jesus told them to. Did he command them? Yes. Did they follow that command? Absolutely. But Jesus told them that if they would wait in Jerusalem, see, that's the first part, then the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon them. So in Acts 1, that's exactly what they do. They see Jesus ascend into heaven. The angels say, hey, stay right here. You know, <laughs> no, they don't, do they? They say, why are you waiting? You know, what are you looking at? You, Jesus is going to come back. You better get to work. And the idea of, of challenging them and pushing them was not to stay there. The Great Commission isn't fulfilled by me sitting still. The Great Commission is fulfilled by going and doing and they did it because they were full of the Holy Spirit. Early on, there was something about the time they were together there in Acts 2 that really lit a flame that never never went out. Even through periods of darkness, 
where churches throughout many ages were just very small flickers of flames here and there during Reformation and Restoration eventually, little flames trying to get back to where the New Testament church was. And we see very clearly they were committed. They were committed to God. They were committed to preserving the Bible. You know, people died just to preserve the Bible you have in your hands. I mean, I, I, it, hurt, it hurts me sometimes that I don't put as much emphasis into the power of the Bible, the power, not just authority, the, the authority of God is here, but the power of these words to transform nations and kings and leaders of families, commit to the cause, fulfill the Great Commission. And that's part of this. So we encourage people, I want you to think about missionaries. I want you to think about um, other preachers, maybe not just in your area, but somewhere else. Think about uh, people that are in, in school, going to, to learn to be teachers and preachers. Encourage them too. And there's joy in that, knowing that you're blessing somebody else. You know, what I like to do sometimes is do it anonymously. I've sent, I've sent letters anonymously. And that's hard too, by the way, um, because most everybody knows my handwriting <laughs> and they know, they know the way I do things. And so, um, but it's really neat to do that. Do it completely anonymously. And number six, I got to move quick, is um, compliment people's character more than you do their actions. There are some parents that focus solely on the athletic ability of their children. You're a good ball player. They say to their daughter, you're a good cheerleader. They say, you're good at math. You're good at science. You're good at, and there's nothing wrong with praising kids for those particular abilities. But let me tell you something. Those abilities are going to fade. They'll have one teacher in that subject that they don't like, and it'll ruin them for the rest of their lives. I've seen a lot of kids love math, love science in 7th and 8th grade, got to high school, hated it. I've seen kids that love choir, love band, love athletics. I've seen children who are fantastic at a sport, and they get to high school and they quit. And if you've spent all their life grooming them, missing worship on Sundays and Wednesdays to be in some sporting event, and we got to play ball, you got to build that, you got to build your good ball player. When they stop that ball playing, they'll not be faithful to the church. Because they haven't been committed to building their character. They've been committed to building their athletic ability. So if we want to really help people, we need to encourage them in their character. I love the way you smile. I love the way you talk to people. I love the way you encourage people. I can see love in your heart. I can see compassion in your actions. I can see Christ in you. I can see the Spirit of God alive in you. I can see joy. I can see enthusiasm. I see hard work and dedication. Look at the child, look at the individual, and say, what is it about their character? Instead of praising them, and, and another thing, too, you know, we're supposed to praise each other and encourage each other and, and rejoice with those rejoice. But be careful also about uh, using time to correct a lot of wrongs. Uh, there are times when that's necessary, as I said earlier, but we need to spend at least 10, maybe 20 positive things before we ever say something negative. Especially in young people, we got to build them up. Uh, they're, they're born with buckets of self-esteem. And we just pour water on that fire. And so um, I think about 1 Timothy 2, 14 and 15. Know how to conduct ourselves in the house of the Lord. That's got to be at the top of the list, having good character. And then finally is we need to create a positive atmosphere. And I'll, I'll, I'll end with this one. Having a positive atmosphere is essential in the church. When we're together, I had a, a gentleman who came to visit us not long ago. was taking pictures of our, of our, um, our little welcome area out front. And it's a little little welcome area. It's got the bulletins and the kids' bulletins and some free stuff for the goodies for visitors. 
Uh, it's even got a list of people that are going to be serving on the table. It's got our bulletin. We have a pretty good, we have a, I think we have a really good bulletin of anywhere I've ever been, probably the best. Um, we don't use uh, graphics from the 1980s and 90s. Nothing wrong with that. If you're all copy and paste on the glass of a copy machine, that's your deal. You do it, you go for it. Uh, we use graphics. We use high-tech technology. We have personal articles from our ministers, not all of our articles from selected or author unknown. Um, the people on our prayer list are people we have prayed for publicly and privately. We take a lot of, a lot of heart into the newsletter each week. And so this man was like, I love what you're doing here with this welcome area. And I said, your church didn't have a welcome area? He said, no. I said, well, take the picture. Let me know what we can do to help. And we've had people come and visit. Had a family came visited and daughter left the Bible behind and uh, reached out to her, on the mother on um, uh, Facebook and said, send me your address. I sent them back their Bible and a bunch of goodies for the other kids because uh, they were so well behaved during Bible study and worship and uh, very respectful in the time that we were all visiting and talking after church for like an hour. Um, so those kinds of things, building relationships like that are essential. And it comes from a positive atmosphere. The work of the church needs to be a positive thing. We're building each other up. We're blessing each other. And I promise you, if you will commit to having joy in your heart, today's Sunday, if you're watching this live, if you'll commit in your heart, to sharing a little bit of the flame, a little bit of the compassion, a little bit of the love that you have with someone else this very day that will come back to you. I guarantee you. That's not a promise from me. It's a promise from the word of God. Where much is given, much is required, Jesus said. So if you've been given a lot of blessings, you need to share those blessings. And if you've, if you've gone through a tough time and you see someone else that's going through a tough time, you walk over, you hold their hand, you pat them on the back, you say, hey, I've been there, I've done this, I've, I've succeeded. You can make it. You can do it. These are just a few of the ways I'd love to share, but we're going to talk about the joy of other things in the next few days. But this is about the joy of an encouragement. Be an encourager and bless others. Hope to see you again next time. Thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get updates on original content each week. Follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. Also, if you'd like to suggest a topic for an upcoming broadcast, or if you'd like to email me a question, or if you have a prayer request, you can send that to rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day, and may the Lord bless you as you seek to live an authentic life in Christ Jesus.